Hey, it's Nelson. And this is Monica. Welcome to the Seattle Foodie Podcast, the show where we talk about the Seattle food scene and the people and businesses behind it. We eat all the food and share our insights with you. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get to it. Monica, did you go to Costco this weekend? Because I heard it was a Mad Pack Zoo. I did not go to Costco. All I knew is when I got up Saturday morning, everybody was posting on their Instagram stories about how bad it was at Costco. And I didn't, I couldn't figure out why. Now I know why. People are just terrified and like stocking up. But it's just like, doesn't it seem like Costco is the wrong place to go if you want to avoid people? I don't know. I understand hand sanitizer and Purell and all of that. But why are people buying so much toilet paper? Right. <laughs> Why is everybody stocking up on two years worth of toilet paper? It, first of all, it's bad for the environment. So we should be looking at other options, which there are a couple companies out there that are not using trees to make toilet paper. But I'm just like, same same here. I can get hand sanitizer and alcohol. I do not understand the toilet paper. I feel like this is really close to the edge of a Darwin Award for these for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it's bananas. Speaking of Darwin Award, I just read this. 38% of Americans wouldn't buy Corona beer under any circumstances because of the coronavirus, according to a recent survey. That means 38% of the United States or whoever they polled thinks that the coronavirus is related to Corona beer. Is it okay just to buy Corona light then? <laughs> I like the Corona minis, the like little eight ounce ones. But, you know, I guess Mr. Frankstagram is part of that, what, 40, 62%? Because <laughs> we went out drinking this weekend. He got the Corona and I got the Modelo. <laughs> so, um, no, that's shocking. And actually, Corona's come out and said, hey, no, we feel confident that our customer base understands that the coronavirus does not come through our beer. But clearly, 38% of people do. <laughs> I'm beginning know. to think that Thanos in the Avengers was correct. Maybe he should take off, wipe out 50% of the world. Because <laughs> if 38, 38% is close to 50%, I mean, if we're going to do, if people think that coronavirus is related to Corona beer, I don't know. I'm I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> well, I know. I need toilet paper. And so I'm trying to think of like, I, I'm trying, starting to think about like making my own toilet paper. Like this is a severe crisis. If there's no toilet paper. <laughs> Maybe people think toilet paper is, I don't know, the new Yeezys or Supreme clothing. <laughs> the new Yeezys. <laughs> we should go on eBay right now and see if people are selling toilet paper. I should start bidding my extra rolls. <laughs> and, you know, like I should start like uh, bidding all my extra like hand sanitizers that I get at like food festivals in the summer. All these little yeah. samples, branded ones. I bet those would sell out. <laughs> oh yeah. The, right. the napkin wipes, all yeah. the wipes that we collected. Oh, yeah. Yes. Okay. We're doing it all wrong, Nelson. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow. It's a new day. Monica, after the show, we are in, we're counting up our inventory of yes. all of our, <laughs> all of our stuff we've taken from festivals, <laughs> restaurants, <laughs> tastings, everything. We're going to see what we have. And we're gonna, yes. We'll maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a giveaway for it. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. We should give away hand sanitizer. <laughs> we're giving away I toilet have paper and hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer. <laughs> bottled water. Oh Topo my Chico. Gosh. We're giving out we're giving out a, a 20 pack of Topo Chico. Right? 
let me look around for what else I got. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're going to win this game, Nelson. Tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, everyone, please wash your hands, be clean, be safe out there. Welcome to our show, everyone. This is episode 77 of the Seattle Footy Podcast. I'm Nelson. She's Monica. Monica, we have a jam-packed show. We've got two recaps as well as some events and an opening to talk about. And then we also have an interview with one of your good friends out in Edmonds. One of these places I will drive all the way out (laughs) to see Monica (laughs) when she says this place. So uh, I'm excited to hear about this one. Me too. Let's do it. Monica. I don't know, for some reason, this is a very alcohol-centric episode. <laughs> what are you talking so, about? This is my life, know. Nelson. <laughs> it is. I feel attacked. <laughs> you know how much I'm a sports fan. I love the Mariners. I've grown up watching the Mariners. True to the blue. That's the Seattle Mariners motto. And earlier this week, we got a chance to preview the cocktail offerings at T-Mobile Park for the upcoming baseball season. This was literally up Monica's alley, everyone. (laughs) She's the seasoned drinker of us, too, as the Seattle Mariners showcased all the beer, wine, and cocktail offerings. There are some unique drinks, including the Magenta Mojo that comes with a cup that changes color. Yes, you get this pink cup, and then with added liquids, it turns color. We both were wowed when the bartender made the smoked mango chili with Hornitos Reposado tequila. And there's also the ever-popular Buzz Bomb with a cricket garnish. Monica, a couple years ago, they decided to sell crickets <laughs> as a delicacy at T-Mobile Park. They're using that in one of the drinks at the Mariners game. I know you're a fan of the San Juan Seltzer as well. They were there too. And you are always happy to see them as well. I am always happy to see San Juan Seltzer. In <laughs> fact, um, I saw their can today in my hand <laughs> this afternoon when I was just hanging out in Fremont. Uh, that that magenta mojo is such a delicious and drinkable drink. I mean, that's something that you could drink really easily, Nelson, and get carried away on for sure. And that color change cup is so extra. Everybody's going to want one. And so it's really exciting to see some of the cocktail, beer, and wine offerings and can't wait for the food preview coming up uh, this month. It's really good. Ethan Stoll is one of the consultants that heads up the whole center plate and the T-Mobile Park menu so that's a bonus it's it's always good to have a reputable chef doing ballpark food right mm-hmm. i mean yes. look okay i'm dating myself guys there was a stadium called the kingdom if you weren't aware <laughs> the only food offerings was popcorn and hot dogs that were probably half the size of what you can get from a costco hot dog wrapped in this ugly tinfoil <laughs> and that's what you would get and you would probably pay 12 dollars for the hot dog i'm not kidding you and you would like it <laughs> and you would have to, you would have to like it because you paid twelve dollars for it, so you mm-hmm. have to enjoy it. Twelve dollars back in the nineteen eighties—that's probably like twenty dollars now, after inflation, huh? Yeah, that's probably about right. <laughs> Don't you might not know what this is, <laughs> but it's really good. I'm I'm glad to see that they have so many offerings, so many different cocktails and different micro brews, as well as Chateau Saint Michel wine, as well mm-hmm. as other wine companies as well. Look, like I said, all you could get back in the day was Bud Light. I mean, that was Bud Light and Pepsi. That's that's those were your options. So it's really great that they're expanding. (laughs) I I know you do. I I like a lot of things, though. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I loved it. It was the best. It was the best ever. Let's do that again, Nelson. 
Yes. All right, everyone. Make sure you check out the T-Mobile Park. Whenever you're going to a Mariners game, check out all the different offerings. Monica, tell us about what we did over the weekend because we had something really, really fun going on. Yeah. Yesterday was Leap Day, you guys. And so Leap Day 2020 gave us an extra day to be extra. And we spent it at Lady Yum's location in Pioneer Square. So Leap Day, for those of you who aren't quite getting it, is February 29th. It only comes around once every four years. So there are people who have birthdays that they just have a birthday every four years, which is really kind of a drag. Lady Yum had a fabulous fundraiser for Seattle Humane Society. And it came complete with unicorns, mermaids, drag queen bingo, and animal portraits. And there were a few extra looking drinks floating around as well as our favorite bubbly. So it was standing room only, Nelson. I mean, when we got there, it started at four. The line was at the door and did not stop being at the door. And the place was jam packed. What was your favorite place? I love our animal portrait, Monica. That was the coolest thing we got. <laughs> that was so, f- it was really cool. What was the animal that you got? You got a tiger shark, right? Mm-hmm. I got a tiger shark. And what do you get? I got an orca. Mm-hmm. I love black and white animals, everyone. I grew up, <laughs> I grew up watching orcas. I was just so fascinated by it. And then as I'm, I got older, I love pandas too as well. So anything black and white, that's, that's kind of my thing. But I thought it was so cool. It was just, you got to keep it. I, I let you have it. Aww. There's a microphone in the middle. <laughs> it was a fun time. And those, they also had those extra special treats that Lady Yum made. I got two of them. I got a coconut as well as the unicorn. They look like they were extra sized macarons mm-hmm. with lollipops coming out of them or coconut cookies coming I was just, it was wild monica just wild gold flakes i mean you name it they were and they were also doing some custom ones and it was only at that location for that promotion and also i saw some of our friends like what jesse eats got uh, some entremont and so she had the uh, mermaid one that has a mermaid tail coming out of it and those are always beautifully decorated they always have some of those at the pioneer square location and so uh, the mermaid was just a special one to go along with this promotion. Entremont. Uh, Did you just make that word up? I have no idea what you just said. That uh, that blue dome thing that Jesse had, that's called Entremont. Isn't that just the cake? I don't know. Just call it cake. Why, cake? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you always think I'm making words up when it's the actual word? Like dauber? Dauber is a word for a bingo marker, like I told you last week. And it's dauber, not dabi. <laughs> <laughs> from harry potter i'm not making these words up these are the actual words nelson entremont i don't know what the okay okay (laughs) anyhow you guys it was the perfect way to celebrate leap day so follow along with lady yum to check out any other special events that they have throughout the year their treats are fantastic they also have bubbly at their locations and they often have um really great local goods that are uh, from the area so like some of my favorite candles are sold there from malicious women candle company i thought that was just a fun event the drag queen bingo mm-hmm. everything and i think the line was probably at least 30 to 40 people deep yeah. just waiting for macarons yeah totally it's a great time totally awesome. okay nelson so we have some events to talk about why don't you kick it off okay 
This one's going to be on Tuesday night, March 3rd from 5 to 11 p.m. The Queen Anne McMenamins will be having a friends and family night supporting kids in foster care through the nonprofit organization Office Moms and Dads. If you guys aren't familiar with Office Moms and Dads, they deploy on-call volunteers who provide a nurturing environment to comfort children entering the foster care. Hmm. On Tuesday, the Queen Anne McMenamins will have 50% of their proceeds from 5 p.m. to close get donated to Office Moms and Dads. If you're not able to make it on Tuesday, don't worry. You can go to officemomsanddads.com to volunteer, donate, or just find out more information about this organization. I think it's awesome that McMenamins is doing this. 50% of the proceeds is very generous. I think that's awesome. I do as well. And um, I have to say, this is the first time I've heard of something like this uh, when I read your write-up, where it's it's so important for folks, for kids who are entering foster care to, to sort of have a good transition and just to think that there are volunteers who provide that nurturing environment, that's truly amazing. I mean, foster care can be very traumatic for children, and um, I think this is a really great cause. So thanks for sharing it, Nelson. It can be a frightening time because you don't know your, you don't know what kind of environment's going on, and just having people that can comfort them, make things at ease, they're really, really doing an awesome job. Mm-hmm. And then Monica, ooh, I'm excited for this one because... <laughs> I, like you said, you're the drinker in this <laughs> business partnership. <laughs> hashtag, hashtag not a couple. <laughs> and so I'll always opt for the mocktail. So tell us about this place. I'm excited for this. Absolutely. Although I do love myself a good craft cocktail, I do enjoy mocktails as well. So, you know, I mean, contrary to popular belief, I do usually drink a little bit less when I'm with Nelson. Uh, so on Wednesday, March 4th, Mark this on your calendars, guys, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Corner Store Studios in Greenwood. So Bar. Did you hear that? So Bar debuts as Seattle's first dedicated sober craft cocktail bar. This is amazing news. Now, Nelson, you and I have talked about the zero proof movement over the last few years on the show, and this concept is gaining support across the country. So currently, this is a pop-up event being held at an event space, and the address is 301 Northwest 82nd Street. Tickets are $24.24 on Eventbrite, and that includes admission to zero-proof cocktails and live music starting at 8 p.m. So there's no word on the exact creations yet, but I'm really excited because Nelson... You know, I mean, you and I have both experienced this. Well, maybe we don't feel like drinking and we want something a little bit extra. I know you love your Shirley Temples and your Arnold Palmers, but it is nice to have something <laughs> that's a little more extra than that. Am I right? Absolutely. I'm always down for beautifully crafted and delicious mocktails. Always. always. I mean, I can always go to Red Robin and get a strawberry lemonade, but if there's something <laughs> that's extra, mm-hmm. count me in. Count me in for that. I just discovered or realized an observation I made, Monica, there's a lot of foodies in the Seattle community that really don't prefer to drink that much alcohol. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed that too. I'm off in the cleanup crew. (laughs) (laughs) We've, We've been to many events before where these awesome restaurants put out these sample cocktails and there's like 10, there's 10 of us, right? So there's 10 mm-hmm. different cocktails. I think our friends probably just drink, just take a little bit of sip and then they're done. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, all this alcohol is wasted. <laughs> they should have just totally. done one, one cocktail for them to shoot. Cause they just really wanted to take the pictures of it. Yeah. I think you and I tend to be the ones that you're the closer and I'm probably the setup guy. <laughs> if, we're talk- <laughs> if we're still talking baseball. <laughs> 
Yeah, so. you know, I mean, it's sort of along the same lines with some foodies who don't eat food. It's just like, you know, I mean, it's sort of one of those things. I mean, if, if you know, restaurants were to ask me about drinks and how to how to set up a tasting, I would definitely go with you and, and say, hey, you know, set them up to shoot and then give out small two ounce samples and then people can order a couple of what they like to drink and, and that's yeah. what they would drink. Just alcohol costs so much. Not that food doesn't cost a lot, but alcohol, that's an astronomical cost. And, yes. and so, yeah, it's, I agree. And, you know, I mean, we don't want to be wasteful, right? No, no. <laughs> I, I totally agree. We we don't we never waste our food. Mm-hmm. We always take it home with us if yeah. we can't finish it or we just finish it in general. I mean, that's that's always about 80 percent of the time we totally. 90 percent of the time we eat. So totally. Absolutely. Well, I got I got a solution. I'm going to start carrying like a six pack of glass bottles in my car and then start pouring them and, and then sealing them so they're not open containers. So, so I, I think I got it. Just like I bring Tupperware. That was not the solution I was thinking. I thought your solution oh. was, I'm just going to drink all the drinks from now on that's at the table. <laughs> that's my. That's your solution. Well, that's kind of a lot every night. I mean, we're getting into the busy season. I can't be doing that six nights a week, Nelson. I do have the other job <laughs> that I have to go to every day. Monica, you say that's a lot. I feel like that's the standard. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I've been hearing that a lot from people around me recently. So I don't know. I just smoke and mirrors, you guys. It's not real. <laughs> that's not a thing. Moving on. I am so excited to talk about this next one because, Monica, I used to work with the owner at my previous job back in the day. I'm talking about Urban Family Brewing, which used to be in Magnolia, and they now have some new digs in Ballard. I've been following this process, and this new location looks awesome. I'm so happy for the owner, Andy Gundel. He's he's a he's a friend of mine. We used to work with each other back in the day. I his wife used to work with me work with us as well. It's just so awesome to see how much work they've put into opening up this new place in Ballard. It's a new space, three times as big as the Magnolia location, which can hold about 183 people. And there's also a patio that is 4,000 square feet in space. Urban Family Brewing, that's awesome. And I haven't even talked about the beer yet, Monica. You know how much we both love sour beers. Mm-hmm. And that's one of their specialties, sour yeah, beers. Totally. You know me. I love the fruity stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and, they, and they have some good ones. <laughs> absolutely ha- why didn't why weren't we there yesterday nelson they had a big party yesterday you didn't tell me they did they did they had the nacho mamas we were well monica we were in pioneer square <laughs> there was still room for sour beer <laughs> there's always room for sour beer <laughs> so they, they have some really good beers like the briar hard ale with boysenberry and they just released a new ipa called the ms aware with pineapple and passion fruit it's literally a mai tai in a glass that's what mm. they say Really? Because yeah. that's a lot of uh, different liquors. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. Friend of the podcast at Feed Her, we were messaging about this because she was down there yesterday. She said that there is a blueberry sour that is amazing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, why am I not there? So, yeah, I get so excited by sours. I just and we're coming into sour season. It's just amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm really proud of the owner, Andy. I knew he had a passion for beer, but I just didn't realize after all these years. I mean, this is this is so awesome. I'm so happy for him for him to open up this new location, and it's just awesome. I we need to go out there, Monica. I, I'm I feel bad because we haven't I haven't even been out there yet, but mm-hmm. we need to check it out. 
They just recently opened. Next time when I'm in Ballard, we're calling up and let's head out there. The cool thing is they have food trucks every day. So there's going to be food there. And they also on the weekends have specialty foods too is going on as well. It's, it just looks like a great place to hang out. I'm down. You convinced me. Okay. <laughs> Done. Heart sell. Heart sell. <laughs> Twist my arm. Why don't you? Beer. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> okay. I've got one more event and it's a big one. You guys, it actually starts today, which is Sunday when we're recording. I'm sure it's no secret that I love me a good cocktail because it's what we've been talking about for most of the show. <laughs> Seattle Cocktail Week is a week-long celebration of Seattle's cocktail scene. And again, it starts today. There are over 60 participating bars and the world's best liquor brands will come together to highlight some of the best creations in the city. Guys, get online right now at seattlecocktailweek.com to check it out and plan your attack. They've got a handy calendar which lays out all of their events, like the Education Village and participating locations. And one of the events coming our way is Best of Brunch on Sunday, March 8th, featuring some of our friends at The Gerald in Ballard, Current Bistro in Belltown, and Bookstar Bar and Cafe downtown. So, Nelson, are you going to test out any Seattle Cocktail Week events or cocktails? I'm always down. You just tell me where to go, and I'll just be there. <laughs> <laughs> Long pause. <laughs> Our schedule is pretty light this week, so we can indulge mm -hmm. in cocktail week and best of brunch as well. So you had you had me at there brunch, but I'm, I'm also down for <laughs> the weekday. Yeah, so each place that's participating in the best of brunch are going to have brunch specials, which means, you know, the food will be paired with featured drinks. And guys, we're always talking about brunch because we know how much you guys love it. I mean, all CLIs love brunch. The lines every Saturday and Sunday are proof of that. Again, the best way for you to find out about Seattle Cocktail Week is to get onto the website at seattlecocktailweek.com or check out their Instagram. And uh, it's a great way to support local business as well. That's right. Like I said, Monica, lots of lots of cocktails, lots of beer offerings for this episode. I don't think anyone will ever go thirsty <laughs> for no. this whole comic week. No. Yes. <laughs> like I said we were thirsty the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so interview. Yeah, we got an interview, right? We sure do. Tell us about it. All right, guys. The most authentic Hawaiian poke can be found at Ono Poke in Edmonds. Owner Stephen Ono sat down with us last month to share his story. And today is their three-year anniversary. So it's fitting that we're broadcasting tomorrow. You'll hear him talking about an upcoming pop-up with from the Na'au that appears happened in January when we recorded the interview and they popped up again yesterday. And so I just want to point that out because there's a month in between uh, then and now. Here's our interview with Stephen. Hey everybody, Nelson and I are in Edmonds today and we are with Stephen Ono of Ono Poke. Welcome to the show, Stephen. How's that? So Stephen, we've been a big fan of your food for a while. You know, I don't really think that you were in food service before this, so why don't you tell us how Ono Poke got started? I was not in food service before. I was actually in corporate America. It just was a perfect storm of me getting tired of what I was doing, or disenchanted, I guess, of what I was doing, running into a boss that he and I both didn't see out eye, so got laid off and was thinking about what the next steps in my life was going to be, and it just turned into this idea that I had of opening a pukki shop, uh, like a traditional authentic Hawaiian poke shop because all the ones that I had seen 
popping up here and there around Seattle was really not authentic. And I really wanted to eat poke. This was my way of doing it the way I wanted to do it. And so I have a friend in Seattle who's a restaurateur who I trust with his advice. And so I, I had lunch with him and, and he convinced me that my idea for doing this was an awesome idea. And if I didn't do it, then he would steal it from me. So, so that's kind of that's kind of how it started. Wow, that, that's a great friend, um, and and I appreciate you so much because, like you're saying, you make traditional, authentic poke. So before you, yeah. there was one place where we could kind of get it, but it still wasn't that authentic. So yeah. if we wanted it, you know, being from Hawaii, we had to make it, which right. is no problem. Like every, like we all know how to make it in Hawaii. Like yeah. There's always somebody in your family who knows how to make it, but still, there's something about just being able to go someplace and have have it made for you that's like a game changer, right? Right, and I think that was a huge part of it for me because, like I alluded to before, everything that was available out there wasn't what I wanted to eat. I mean, we all come from you know different places in Hawaii. For the most part, poke is pretty similar on all the islands. Nothing that was made here was what we could get. So, yes, I, I wanted to do it, but on top of that, I think the culture here is different. Back in Hawaii, people eat poke every day, but here that's not the case. Even like between us, I want to eat poke every day, but we don't. I wanted to see how I could improve it and make it better. To me, it was obvious that the fish quality was, was what I was going to do. You know, back in Hawaii, there's like a price point where people are comfortable with paying for stuff, but that doesn't allow for really high-end premium fish. Mm -hmm. But here, I think it's a little bit different because we don't eat it every day and it, we treat it more of, of like a treat. So I decided to just go for it and just source the best fish that I could possibly get. And also as well as all the other ingredients. So even down to the seaweed salad, they tend to choose uh, the seaweed salad that has like artificial colors in it mm -hmm. and dyes. And so I ended up trying probably 15 different kinds of seaweed salad before I landed on the one that I wanted to eat. And it just so happens that, oh, by the way, it's the most expensive one on the market. But it is from Japan. It's real seaweed. It's real wakame seaweed in there. There's no food coloring. There's no MSG. Not that MSG is a bad thing. And it was just the best. And so it, it went from, you know, just standard poke to now I'm doing this poke that feel is like premium. I feel left out because both of you and Monica are from Hawaii or lived in Hawaii and I've always lived here in Seattle. For all listeners, can you tell us what's your definition of poke? And then you also talked about authenticity. Mm -hmm. So let's say I'm in Seattle or even somewhere in Portland or California. What am I looking for to consider authentic poke to you? Well, personally, I think authentic, the word authentic is pretty rubbery. I mean, you can go from, you know, someone who has an appreciation for Hawaii and wants to be true to it. And then there's the people from Hawaii, born and raised, that grew up on it. And so I think the flavor profiles can be all over the board. However, I feel like there's one really fine strain of poke that you can't really teach if you're not from Hawaii, in a way, like this flavor profile. And it comes from, you know, sesame oil, sesame seeds, shoyu, predominantly Aloha brand shoyu, which is, tastes completely different from kikuman or yamasa or any of the other ones. 
sweet onions and green onions and that's pretty much the base on top of that it has to be marinated i mean it has to be sitting in it for a little while for the fish to soak up the thing here or in california portland or all the other places that you mentioned i think a lot of people either have just visited hawaii or they have an idea of what poke tastes like or it's some sous chef or chef that have had it before and are trying to recreate it but they don't have that legacy background knowledge of this is the flavor in my head that I've that's like my standard go-to that they don't have and I, and I think for me that's the difference if you go to these poke places or foke places or pokey places that I refer them to <laughs> they just squirt this sauce on at the end yeah. that's just some random thing I don't, I don't get it you know and I think a lot of people from Hawaii they don't get it, it it's good for now and it doesn't taste bad but to me and to to other people, I'm sure, like Monica agrees with me, that I wouldn't call it a fish bowl, you know, yeah. a fish salad or something. And I'm not saying, oh, you know, you got to come to me because I'm so authentic and I'm, I'm from Hawaii and all this kind of stuff. That's true, but I think for me, the authentic part comes from I want Hawaii people to come in, taste it, and they have this flash in their head. Like, oh, finally, that's what it's supposed to taste like. Yes. Instead of this ethereal thing that someone's trying to get to that doesn't really have that base knowledge of what it's supposed to taste like. Mm -hmm. So I think, to me, that's the difference of being like authentic and people who just are trying to make fucking. That's cute, pokey places. Um, I totally agree with you. And, you know, I remember one time I was making pokey for somebody and they said, can I have the recipe? And that's what they don't get. Like, I don't have a recipe. There yeah. are ingredients that mix together, that come together for the flavor and the spirit of like how we grew up in our backyard as we're getting ready, like grilling opihi on the grill or like, you know, my grandpa drinking his oli beer, right, and, you right. know, all the things that we do when we cook out. So trying to explain to people like it's just, it tastes right when it tastes right it is sort of a difficult thing. Exactly. Um, now, now, another thing that I like about coming here is that <clears throat> you have selection. So like if you grow up in Hawaii and there's like a KTA or a food land, I used to love to go in there and there's like 20, 30 different kinds right. of like poke or some sort of marinated seafood that you can try and it's the best. And so in some ways, even like the way that you tag your stuff is reminds me of that. The numbers remind me of that right. about being a kid and shopping for, for the poke. But what are some of your um, other, you know, like I know you do other things besides just ahi, which is what we love to eat. Right. What are some of those? Some of the other ones that I do is I really wanted to be like inventive in some ways, but true to Hawaii in other ways, but then also source anything that I could get locally. So like albacore, right? We, we source our albacore locally from Westport and it's fresh and the grading system is similar to that of ahi in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. There's grade one, grade two, two plus, all that kind of stuff, all the way down to like three, three plus and stuff that you don't want to really eat raw. But so we source grade one uh, every other day from Westport. And so that to me was important to showcase the difference between like cold water, local tuna, and Hawaiian warm water tuna. Another one that I really wanted to experiment with that's been one of our most popular items is the hamachi. Because you don't find poke hamachi. I mean, I've never seen it before, but hamachi as you know, most people who love sushi, it's always one of the best sushi options, right? Hamachi. 
and I love hamachi. First chance that I got to source some really great hamachi from Japan, I wanted to turn it into poke, and, and I think that has been like one of my favorite things to make and to eat. Speaking of which, is there anything in the future that you want to try that's out of the box? Anything you've like, I want I to try this. I know it's not authentic, but I was like, but I, I want to experiment with this. Well, I think we've been doing that. You know, we brought in locally sourced uni from the San Juan Islands. Mm -hmm. We had that special for a little bit. Great. I source ikura, salmon eggs, salmon roe. I think we're always trying to innovate. And one of the things, one of the other things that we did was we ended up finding a source for king crab, right? And I call it king crab okole, but okole. it's the tail. <laughs> I love okole. <laughs> yeah. But as you know, in Hawaii and all around here, most people who use crab with a K, right? And it's all fake crab that they make a crab. Pollock. Yeah, pollock that they make a crab salad with. And I really wanted to do it better. I found this source that was Alaskan king crab, but not the... The premium meat, it was the tail, it was the like the undercarriage, right, of the of the king crab. And but when I tried it and when I sampled it, it's the same. It it tastes the same, the consistency is the same, but the premium price wasn't wasn't the same. So I think that that as well, you know, along with the hamachi has become, you know, one of our most popular things whenever whenever we get it. So Real quick, uh, you're a huge uh, supporter of all other small local business, and I just want to point out that you do have pop-ups here sometimes. Yeah. And um, just give you an opportunity to maybe talk about like what your next pop-up will be since you might be hosting in the future. Yeah. Like you said, I'm a huge supporter of pop-ups because, you know, there are a ton of us restaurant people now. I consider myself a restaurant person <laughs> now, but uh, or foodies that want to get have their own business but don't have the means or the brick and mortar or any kind of other kind of support to me that was really important to kind of search these guys out and to offer up our spot because we do have some extra room here for them to see if this is a viable option for them in the future and so yeah i, I support them and i support them in a way that other places who support pop-ups don't like i don't charge them a penny to uh, put their their shop up here and and I help support them with the help of all of our great followers on social media as well so some of the ones that have done great you know custard and things Hawaii they they constantly sell out and then I've been recently working with a local girl Ali Island Girl Seafood the latest one that's going to come actually tomorrow is from the Na'au it's Ben from uh, the Big Island who's going to come and do guava smoked. He's going to wow. do plate lunches. He's going to do local mochas with that as well. But he's doing uh, like real Kahlua pig. Wow. And so he's going to do plate lunch and local moko, but he's also going to do like a spam local moko too. So, you know, he's, uh, he's super excited. So I'm constantly on the lookout. You know, I've been communicating with, with the flower bots right, to do a pop-up before she opens up her brick and mortar. We haven't really settled on anything, but I hope she decides to come down because I love her donuts. Yeah, I love I, her donuts too. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've all had her donuts, but I think that would be an awesome, you know, opportunity for her and for, I mean, whoever else is interested in trying to delve into this restaurant business, you know? Well, Stephen, we're almost at the end of our interview, but we always have two questions sure when we interview anyone question i want to ask is 
where do you like to eat in Seattle? Hmm, does it have to just be Seattle? No, no, it does not have to be in Seattle. So getting back to what Monica said, I'm a huge supporter in local. Mm -hmm. And for me, I live in Edmonds. So I have found that Edmonds is a great place for food. And as people are realizing now, it's becoming this you know, hidden gem of outside of Seattle. So Bar Dojo is one of my favorite places to go. In fact, any of Shu and Andrew's restaurants are, are really good for me. I guess I'll just name them all, but I mean, I've run into Monica a couple of times at, at the Fishmonger, right, Market. Market. Because they've got some great little tidbits there, especially if you don't want this whole sit-down meal, you know, they got the good things and the new sushi place, Sankai, you know, uh, Chef Nakano-san. I mean, I was going to his spot, Kisaku, in Tangletown for years before he opened up here. And, you know, how lucky are we now to have, have him here? But, you know, when I was uh, before this and when I used to work down in South Lake Union, I would eat out quite a bit. I think one of my other favorite sushi places is on East Lake. You know, um, sushi capo tomorrow. Yeah, Steve's I love, place, right? I, love I mean, Steve's place. That's that place is awesome. I was going to his place when you know back in the Chiso days, yeah. right? But the one that I'm really excited about going back to is the reopening of Revel. Revel has always been one of my favorite places to eat in Seattle. But you know, a million of them, I could I could go out and rattle <laughs> rattle off quite a few. But I tend to tend to stick with the. Uh, kind of the Asian slant from Japanese to Neo-Asian Pacific Rim, whatever you want to call it. The second question Nelson was talking about is we always like to make sure that people can find you on social media. So where can people find you on your platforms? So I really wanted to be very narrow in my range. Uh, so we're on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter uh, under Eat Onopoke. Eat Onopoke. All right, guys, that's where you can find him. Steven, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, mahalo for having me, man. And that's our interview with Steven Ono. Nelson, by far, hands down, born and raised in Hawaii, Steven has the most, again, authentic Hawaiian poke. And so if you want it, you got to go to Edmonds, and you can find Ono Poke on social platforms at Eat Ono Poke. Yeah, Monica, I'm not going to argue with that. It's <laughs> always so fresh. Mm -hmm. And he is in that interview. He is just so knowledgeable about just authentic poke mm -hmm. and just Hawaiian food in general. I think just the passion that he has for it and how he left his his job to to create this. And I'm just very fortunate and happy that uh, they have something this good in Edmonds or just in the greater Seattle area. Absolutely. And, you know, he's he's a good guy that is connected to community and believes in supporting small business. A lot of times you can find him promoting other small businesses all the time. You know, a lot of owners and folks who work in the industry, they go and support places, but they're not always talking about it. He thinks it's really critical to send that message that, you know, we're supporting small business. And so I love that about him. He's such a great guy. Again, happy three year anniversary to Onopoke. In addition to that, I picked up at the Wine and Food Experience, Monica, one of the Seattle Magazine's top 100 seafood re mm -hmm. restaurants, and who was one of the featured seafood places, Ono Poke. So yep. yeah, it's I'm glad that they're getting that accolade. Me too. Me too. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, guys. All right, Monica. That's pretty much our show for tonight. Good show. Good show. 
I think. Good show. Good show. <laughs> <sighs> yes. Getting back into the swing of things. <laughs> I'm going to go on there and rate our show a five star. What do you think? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, only now, after a year and a half, you're going to go rate it a five star? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the first 76 though. episodes they've been a Man. little rocky the first 76 times but i think we got it after 77 i'm not <laughs> just saying just saying all right <laughs> okay well i think that's about it and we've got a few things this week but like you said it is a little bit light compared to like the six days in a row that we had a couple weeks ago but uh, i'll take it i'll take a light week anyway yes i totally agree All right, everyone, that's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, happy eating, Seattle. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. In the meantime, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Seattle Foodie Podcast and on Twitter at Seattle Food Pod. You can also email us at SeattleFoodiePodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we hope you enjoy the Seattle Foodie Podcast.